Welcome back. Welcome back. It is the Texas Triangle. Eric and John here with you as always. Um, regular season started. How you doing, John? I'm good. Uh, it's been fun. I've been watching a little too much basketball. I've fallen behind on my typical King of the Hill, it's always sunny, watching routines. So <laughs> I've got to get a balance back in my life at some See, point. Yep, I understand. I understand. Yeah, I've kind of been not watching enough basketball I feel like like some of it but I don't know I, I need more I need more in my life I gotta quit watching Dune and stuff like that <laughs> I've been wanting to watch that but um it was good yeah the NBA is doing like that free week or free month of free month trial of league pass or whatever oh, so shit. I didn't even realize that I need to do that I've been bouncing around the league a little bit it's been fun um there's a lot of fun stuff happening this year but yeah there is we're not here to talk about everybody else we're here to talk about our interests. Texas. Texas. Means friendship. Tejas does. <laughs> Not to everybody. And we're friendly people. <laughs> Let me tell you. To most everybody. <laughs> well. Nah, we don't need to go there on this one. No, we don't. We, <laughs> we already are the butt of the joke enough here in Texas. And then the butt of a whole other joke in Texas when you live in Austin because you're like the wussy liberal weakling part of Texas, you know, like, yeah. oh, like they do in Austin over there. Yeah, it's, it's a fun time, man. Texas is cool, though. I Texas promise. is cool. I wish yeah. it was still affordable like it used to be, but. Me too. Yeah. Uh, you know, it comes for all of us eventually. It, very true. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't you don't get unaffordable if you're not a cool place in the first place, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so true. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. To basketball we go. Let's start with the Spurs, man. The funnest team in Texas right now, I think. I think I might agree with you. So the Spurs went one and two. And to those who haven't been paying super close attention, you might be thinking, okay, they're one and two. Here we go again. It's the same <laughs> thing as last year. But I have to say, this is the most optimism I have felt about the Spurs maybe since 2014. So... Game one, they came out, they beat the dog shit out of the Magic, as they were supposed to. Yes, they Everyone did. looked great. The next Everyone two, did. Yeah, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just excited and surprised. Uh, next two games, they played really super competitive games against maybe the two best teams in the NBA and the Nuggets and the Bucks. And, I mean, the biggest overall takeaway I have is that it looks like all of the young or younger guys on this roster got at least a little bit better over the offseason. Big time. And perhaps a lot of it. Yeah. Some, some of a lot of it. Yeah. I don't even know what I was trying to say there. Perhaps the biggest leap anyone took over the offseason was Keldon Johnson. He, you know, I think a few weeks ago I talked about how Keldon Johnson just needed to really add a little junk in the mid-range, mm -hmm. you know, a little floater, maybe some turnarounds in the post. He added all that. <laughs> and... um it has opened up his game so much. I uh, I think um, against Denver, he had like 27. Last night against the Bucks, he had 20. And he looked like one of the better players on the court. Hell yeah. And his touch is really unlike anything I've seen on the Spurs since maybe Tony Parker, just like little floaters. The float man, yeah, the he, float he, master. He drives into the lane with all the force that you'd expect of Keldon Johnson, but he just he has such soft touch that you feel like it's going to go in. And if he can get his three ball going at any point, um, that that might be an all-star caliber player. Um, yeah, so Keldon Johnson's awesome, man. Um, I've been really impressed with Vassell, too. 
Vassell, yeah, he kind of had a breakout in game one. I can't remember what his stat line was, but the biggest thing for Vassell is he has been probably the Spurs' best defensive player. Yeah. Best perimeter defender. There you go. Yeah. Um, in space, he's looked really good. Yeah. He, he kind of struggled to get into a rhythm against the Bucks and the Nuggets, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Two great defenses. Well, the Bucks are for sure a great defense. Yeah. Sure, he's still out on the Nuggets, but they could be a great defense. Yeah, he's still he's still not quite there in terms of knowing how to generate open looks for himself just yet. Uh, but I think that's going to come along. And as long as he can knock down open threes and play the defense, even at the level he's playing right now, that's a really valuable player. Big time. And I think he might be due for more minutes as the season goes along. Because um, I, I just I, I can't see Pop not giving him more minutes. Mm. Uh, so what what are your impressions from the Spurs in these first few games? I think it's been really fun to see Popovich about face and philosophy. And uh, it seems like getting the young guys' minutes is priority now. Yeah. And I, I'm enjoying the shit out of that because it seems like he's having fun with it as much as the guys are. And uh, I, I don't know. I just like the general like vibe of the team. Um, everything seems very positive and fuck it, what do we have to lose? And let's just get better and become better friends as we go along and teammates. And it's I don't know. It's tight, man. I really like it. I think... Uh, as the season goes on, those seeds will start to bear fruit o- over time with the chemistry benefits that come come along with that kind of approach. Absolutely. Yeah, against Denver, we got our first real look at Thad Young in a Spurs uniform, and it, it wasn't good. <laughs> uh, he played some LaMarcus Aldridge defense. Uh-huh. Um, he was just kind of all over the place with the ball. And... Truthfully, I don't really need to see any more Thad Young minutes. I don't care if the Spurs don't get anything for him. I just I don't want to see him play anymore. You don't think it was nerves? It was that bad? It wasn't? couldn't have been just like, a, oh, shit, I'm finally playing. I want to show off, and then you end up overthinking it and doing too much kind of thing? Like, uh, nah, man, it was more Kevin of... Porter in game one of the Rockets. We'll get to that. But. It, it looked more like disengagement to me. Okay, that sucks. Which, if you have Thad Young on your team, you want him to be a hustle guy. You mm-hmm. want him like... That's his reputation. Yeah, blitzing yeah. pick and rolls, passing out of the high post, maybe, maybe stretching the floor a little bit, just being a good teammate, and it didn't really look like that to me. Interesting. But he's not, he's, you know, he's not factoring into the Spurs feature. I think he knows that, and that's fine. And it's just not working. I do think the Spurs have a problem in their backup big rotation. And before we get into that, I think we really need to talk about Jakob Pertl because he might be their most important player. <laughs> and a lot of Spurs fans don't appreciate Jakob Pertl to the extent that they should just because, you know, if you're not, like, really intently watching him, you think, oh, he's just a big stiff. He's, you know, offensive rebounds, block shots, yep. can't shoot free throws, doesn't have a lot of finesse to his game. But that's not true. No. He shows me flashes that kind of remind me of Joakim Noah. I'm not saying he's going to oh. be that caliber of player. But kind of the way he he passes, uh, he's really fleet of foot on defense. He can protect the rim. Yep. Uh, he's a feisty offensive rebounder. So I see a little bit of that in him. He's always the one trying the hardest on the floor, too, the way Noah was. I, yeah. I get that. I get that comp, man. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I've been on the Omer Oshik thing forever, but yeah. he's he's not as stiff, and, and his hands are better, and his feet move better than Oshik. So that's not a fair comp to, to Jakob. Yeah. No, that's good, dude. I like that. And I think Jakob's got to be averaging at least five assists through three games. Wow. Good um, for him, man. That's fucking cool. Yeah, man. He's been awesome, and there's just such a drop-off when he's not on the floor. 
I like Drew Eubanks a lot. He's fun mm-hmm. in certain matchups. He can really make a difference in the game. But you saw in the last two games against real competition, he couldn't quite keep the Spurs afloat when he was playing center. And like we said, Thad Young, I just I don't want to see any more of him. <laughs> and really what I've gotten out of these few games is I think the Spurs are a piece or two away from being a legitimate playoff team. And I think those two pieces are on the roster already, actually. Nice. Uh, one of those is Josh Primo. We've talked about Josh Primo a lot. But the the big problem that the Spurs have had, and the reason they lost those two games against Denver and Milwaukee, is that they just they, they competed. Their defense kept them in the game. They knocked down almost enough shots. But they needed that guy who could, you know, create a tough shot. Yep. Who could get you a step back or, you know, just, you know, anything, you know, they didn't quite have that. And they're relying a lot on guys playing team basketball, but they didn't quite know what they were doing. They didn't, maybe it'll improve as the season goes along, but you see a lot of guys kind of just like aimlessly driving into the paint and then kicking it back out. And it's turning into a lot of unnecessary turnovers. That makes sense. You can scout a defense out for scripted plays. You know yep. what I mean? Like for guys that are just rolling off the cuff and that talented to just create every now and then you, you still need that. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm with you. So I'm hoping at some point, and we've been down this road before, I was really excited about Brent Forbes this season for some reason. And now I'm just kind of thinking, ah, I, I'd just rather see Josh Primo <laughs> because I think Josh Primo can bring a lot of offensive and defensive dynamics that Brent Forbes is not capable of. And Brent Forbes hasn't really performed very well through three games. It's surprising that he hasn't even shot that well. Yeah. yeah. I, I was hoping he would come off the bench and knock down shots and maybe he will. It's early in the season. He a lot of guys will. have yeah, got to get into a rhythm, game. but um, I don't know. I mean, Josh Primo is just special, dude. He's special. Everyone can see it. And um, hopefully we don't have to wait too, too long for it. Yep. And um, the other guy that I think could be a missing piece for this team is Zach Collins. Now, Hmm. I don't think it's necessarily reasonable to expect Zach Collins to be anything at this point in his career with all the injuries he suffered. But knowing what his potential skill set is based on, you know, the brief moments we've seen of him playing in the NBA, I think he would be the perfect backup center for this team. I... I'm inclined to agree. I don't think that the ship has sailed fully on Zach. Yeah. No, no. I'm with you. Yeah. And I think I think that's probably why the Spurs signed him, because Drew Eubanks, they invested a lot of time in his development, but he kind of feels like a placeholder, and we don't really know what Jock Landale is going to look like against NBA competition. I'm kind of hopeful for him, but I think his destiny He's is his like moments. maybe an okay backup center or a third stringer in the NBA. Yes. Yeah. So okay, yeah, backup center ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, Zach Collins can get back and fill that void for the Spurs because I think if those two things happen, the Spurs can really hold their own against anyone in the league. I'm not saying they're, you know, even a high end playoff team, but I think they could be like a six, seven seed. Yeah, for sure. And look, why not look competent. And, you know, from there, once you have that foothold as a competitive team, you know, between continuity and guys developing and maybe adding a few pieces, you start looking better. And the, as you continue down the road, being as responsible with money as the Spurs are as well and maintaining the flexibility there, you show yourself to be a six, seven, five seed, whatever, mm-hmm. that becomes a better 
option for free agent destination yeah. lures as well, um, especially if you can bring in uh, whatever pop keeps going, then you have Greg Popovich to sell to free agents. If you find the right successor, then it's going to be whatever successor popped pick pop has picked and they're going to be a, mm-hmm. an incredible coach, I'm sure. So it'll be an, a selling point, you know, <laughs> like we have this young, young ish team that's developing, hitting their prime right now. And we're a playoff team solidly. All we're missing is you free agent X. And that's fr- a pretty easy yeah. meeting. I feel like, yeah. And frankly, I'm not necessarily even banking on them signing some free agent in the future because that's such an unlikely proposition. It is. And it didn't work out last time with LaMarcus and, and I could see the, being, well, you know, the they, fan base generally is not, they're not a huge fan of that approach in San Antonio. I'm noticing a lot of the old school Spurs fans. Yeah. It's not to. as rewarding, but they did win 67 games in LaMarcus, LaMarcus's first season in San Antonio. So, yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of fucking games. I've just, I've, I have so thoroughly drank and digested the Josh Primo Kugelite. I think he's going to be an option A in the NBA. Yes. I, I do, and call me crazy. I, I just, you know, I, I think I it's. Won't. I said the same thing. I think man. it's going to happen, man. And I, I think he's going to solve the Spurs' problems because the defense is there, the the mindset is there because you know, like the chemistry and the mindset is such a huge part of building mm-hmm. a winning team. I think he's the missing link. I think Brian Wright knocked it out of the park. So, like I said, I'm feeling really optimistic about the Spurs. Uh, this season's going to be fun to watch. Don't know how many games they're going to win. Don't really care. As long as they keep performing like this, I'll yeah. be happy. And it, it it's always fun to look back a few years down the road, assuming Josh Primo does continue this, this meteoric rise. Well, I guess it wouldn't be meteoric rise because yeah. meteors fall typically. But uh, if he continues this trajectory of just looking like he's the truth and he's going to be that guy, two years from now, this will be a fun season to look back on and yeah. be like, remember when we saw Josh Primo becoming that guy? He'll like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm with you there for sure. I think this year will be really fun, but I don't necessarily think it'll get a whole lot more games in the W column beyond breaking the record for pop. Maybe. But. I could see them being anywhere between there and 500. Yeah, that's about the ceiling I was thinking is yeah. 500. And the I just think the development of Keldon Johnson, Derek White looks okay too, so... Yep. I'm trying to manage my expectations. Dave White looks really healthy, too, yeah. and spry, and that makes me happy to see because he's been real dinged up. Yeah, so his his playing style is just – it's a lot like Monty Ginobili in that he's just constantly hitting the ground, taking charges, mm-hmm. being unnecessarily physical, and it's just going to get himself <laughs> dinged up. Um, so, you know, it is what it is with Derek White. Hopefully he can stay healthy, but I wouldn't count on it. And he can work out something where he's in some kind of – compression sleeve version of like those big dog suits they put on to train people <laughs> with the police German shepherds. Uh-huh. <laughs> that way he just kind of bounces back up back off the court. Um, NBA, let's get started. Those those should be legal. We need mm. to change the rules, Adam Silver. <laughs> dog suits. I'm just going to name it a dog suit. I don't know what it's actually called. <laughs> okay, and one one last thing on the Spurs before we move on. I know I've been a little long-winded. No, no, no. Keep going, man. Give, uh, me, give me three. But, man, Doug McDermott has been awesome. He didn't have a great game against the Nuggets. He's still trying to find his rhythm, but the way he makes this offense so much more cohesive with his motion, his willingness to let it fly from beyond the arc, cutting, he's kind of been a godsend for the Spurs. Yeah. 
And a lot of people were kind of questioning that signing because he did get a raise from what he was getting in Indiana. It's, you know, it's quite a bit of money, but I mean, he, it's paying off for the Spurs. And I think he's been a big part of this team looking better and more cohesive. And I don't feel like we were wrong in saying that Doug McDermott was a fit upgrade over DeMar Rosen. Not a better player, but a fit upgrade. No, yeah, I don't yeah. think so either. He looks fucking great. And the team, he, it was a hand-in-glove fit from the moment they hit the ground. So yeah. it hasn't been any kind of hiccups. There hasn't been any learning curve. He's literally just been the perfect fit from the moment they started. And that's cool. It's good to see that happen. Yeah, man. So, nice uh, points. More points for Brian Wright. Yeah. Nice work, Mr. Wright. I'm going to keep driving that nickname <laughs> in the ground until it catches on. Daddy Wright. All right, man. So Daddy you want right. to hop on I-10 and go down to Houston? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, kind of a mixed bag for the Rockets in the first two games. They're about to tip off with Boston in about, an, I don't know, less than an hour here. Um, our time, if you're listening live, which is an impossibility physically, unless you're in the room with us as a ghost or, or like on a microphone or something, which would be weird. The um, stethoscope on the wall or something. Yeah. If so, uh, maybe get a hobby yeah. uh, or know, just come over obscure. Yeah. Come yeah. over, hang out. Yeah. We're a pretty <laughs> obscure podcast to be stalking, you know, um, that's not happening, but yeah, the Rockets have looked fun. The first game. I went off on all kinds of really negative, angry tangents because we just looked like absolute <laughs> horse shit. And Kevin Porter Jr. was turning the ball over like a fucking horrendously. Uh, Chris Wood was the only one who looked like a competent basketball player at all. Uh, I was having doubts about Steven Silas, which is just blasphemy in my mind because from the moment they've hired him, he's been the savior of the Rockets. Um, and, and so it was really nice to see the home opener Hakeem Olajuwon in the building, Bun B in the building, Slim Thug in the building, <laughs> Paul Wall in the building, and we beat OKC by like 30 points, and uh, it, everybody looked like they went and worked on everything that went wrong in game one, and uh, it looked like the coaching staff had run a really good show at practice that week. Or, or in the day leading up to it, Jalen Green looked like that dude that was going to be that dude eventually. Finally, Kevin Porter Jr. had like 20 and nine. Christian Wood continued to look like an all star. Um, he looks fucking incredible. Uh, even Eric Gordon had a trade audition game. So uh, <laughs> if the Rockets can keep this level of hot and cold, I think I'll be able to maintain my sanity. Uh, if we go on any long stretches of like seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 25 game losing streaks or anything like last season. I'll probably lose my shit because I was telling John, I, I just, I, I'm telling you, John, <laughs> sitting right here with me as I ramble, um, I, I need to see marginal improvement, though. That's the thing I'm looking for at this point in year two is mm -hmm. that I want to see growth, growth every game at least and not, uh, not start to have doubts about who's steering the ship. That would make me sad. Yeah. They have, in fact let the fuse hopefully they can get the dynamite <laughs> out of their hand before it explodes yes. but i just want to echo a few things because chris wood looks phenomenal he really really does completely not bad team good stats phenomenal just straight up good basketball player yeah. phenomenal the way he's so a few things on him his three-point shooting is for real yes um he's a he is a very dynamic three-tier scorer but the other thing I noticed with him is defensively he looks a little better. I agree with that. You're seeing him stay down in a stance a little bit more on mm -hmm. s on switches. He's not 
getting bullied quite as much as he was last year. Yep. He doesn't look back on his heels as much to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, and I think a lot of that is just confidence because, you know, at this point in his career, he's, he's, he knows who he is, I think now. Yep. Yeah. Year two will be in the man on a new team, you know, and I think that'll help too, is just being settled in. No. And another guy we don't talk about enough on the Rockets, Jay Sean Tate. God, he, we don't talk about him. It's a crim, it's criminal how little we mention Jay Sean Tate at this point. You're pr- you're pretty right, dude. He's good. He's a very good basketball player. He's kind of like your version of Keldon Johnson in a way. That's fair. Yeah, he, I feel like Rockets fans have unfairly pigeonholed him as the future. Excuse me, who the future PJ Tucker? And I, I think that's unfair to, to uh, Jay Sean. Like, I think he's a lot more versatile offensively. I think he's a lot more versatile as a creator and a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think he hustles even harder for rebounds than PJ did. And I think it's cool to see. Yeah. So is the KJ Martin experiment over in Houston? He has really not been getting minutes until garbage time. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I feel like the KJ Martin experiment is now beginning in earnest in okay. Houston. Does that make last year yeah. was an aberration like we had eight available players mm-hmm. on the roster. Kenyon Martin Jr. had to get 30 minutes. Um I, I feel like this year he's got to earn it and uh it'll be a journey towards doing that and it'll be hopefully good for him to yeah. to have to f- compete against all these other guys literally in his age group <clears throat> um to to do that but I don't know. I think that's a bit premature. Possibly. I keep hearing people call him a small forward, and I just don't see it. In his game. I hate that. Yeah. It's really funny how little research 2K did on some of the ancillary Rockets yeah. players because, yeah, he's like a small forward slash power forward, and he's listed as like a three-point expert or something. Yikes. And it's like, yeah, dude, this is guy who blocked Rudy Gobert. He can't really shoot. It's kind of like he's he's more of a power forward center to me. <laughs> um, but but it, it's wild. Yeah, he's he's an interesting Interesting case moving forward. I could see him being packaged in on some kind of random trade. Yeah. Just as like throw in too, uh, unfortunately. I could see someone valuing him. I think he could have like some Derek Jones Jr. type upside. That could make sense. Um, so I want to go back to KPJ for a second because he has been kind of an object of, I, I don't know what, what word I would use, but um People seem to have conflicting opinions on him now. I was going to say, Twitter is now split. Yeah, there's yeah. a fracture in Rockets' Twitter over KPJ and his trajectory, his future, his point guard status, all that. Yeah. But. So game one, he didn't look great. It was hard to see. Game two, he looked better. He did. Yeah. So what? which one do you think is closer to the reality of what you're going to get for KPJ? I'm worried that it's both and that he's that guy that's frustratingly yeah. just a roller coaster ride the entire season long. He's your Lonnie. Yes. Yeah. And you'll just never be able to know for sure. And that's what I'm afraid of with, with Kevin Porter Jr. But also dude just turned old enough to drink. You know, I, I, I say we can we can pump the brakes on saying he's not a point guard. Oh my God, we need to move on. This isn't the guy he just had That's, nine assists. Yes, yeah. exactly. And and I think 20 points pretty efficiently. And I want to say seven rebounds too, right? I'm pretty sure he had four. It was four to seven rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, as yeah. well. And, I mean, and he's hustling. He's trying hard. And this is a guy who 
I don't know. I'm going to give him the longest leash humanly possible just because of all the really wonderfully kind things he's had to publicly say about the organization when, frankly, the Rockets are at their lowest point right now. So it's any, anything like that helps. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's tough to say. In my gut, I want to say it's probably the low end. That's, yeah. that's more close to the reality. But what do you say? I think the thing that concerns me with KPJ is the combination of poor defense with the lack of scoring efficiency. I do like him as an operator in the pick and roll pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably his his strongest ability right now. But I think if you're not going to be a plus defender, you've got to be an efficient scorer. Yes. And I think that he still has a lot of junk in his game that he could cut out. And I think part of that might be just due to a lack of direction from the coaching staff. I'm not I'm not shitting on Silas at all, but No, no, no. I, I think maybe he has been given the reins a little too much. Agreed. And I think he could cut a little of the unnecessary like he takes some bad threes, some bad pull ups. I think a lot of that could be cut out of his game and it would make him look a little better. He won't have the gaudy counting stats that you looked for last year, but he'll be a better player for it. I really 100% think you knocked it out of the park there. Yeah, like I think KPJ and this season is going to be this way for a lot of players on the Rockets that were here last year. Um, mm-hmm. Not that there are a lot, but there are a few. And, and, and they have all had an overinflated taste of NBA life and responsibility just by virtue of the fact of them being on a, the worst team in the league and b the most decimated team by injuries in the league at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so I think Kevin Porter jr was the savior of the Rockets last season because we had no other saviors. Chris Wood was hurt and, and mm-hmm. nobody else on the team was even a competent basketball player. However, that label has stuck throughout the season, even as we've added other guys that probably make more sense to put our chips on the table as the future savior. Um, So there's going to be a lot of soul searching and like identity finding, I feel like this season Mm. and ironing out people's roles finally and what they're going to be and uh, settling in to see who is going to be actually the, the, the man on the team. And that's going to be tough for Silas to navigate as a first-time coach that's generally Mr. Cool and cool and Calm uh, with everybody. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. And it's going to be a real, real challenge because these are some kids who all have very high expectations and hopes for themselves, and rightfully so. Uh, but KPJ, someone like that, is going to have to end up being willing to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to be option 1A to Jalen or to Christian Wood, yeah. and that's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a test of his maturity when that day comes. Big time. And his growth, yeah. uh, which has been largely touted, but mm-hmm. has yet to have been tested. And maybe maybe the Rockets just aren't prepared to put a leash on him yet. True. And maybe they feel risk out the window they don't need to. Yeah, um, and that's that is really our best option right now is to just see who develops. And then we work <laughs> on the other things when it when we cross that bridge when we come to it kind of stuff. You know, and if he's if he if he's not bad and he's a chucker, then that just helps you tank. Yep. So very true. There's really nothing <laughs> Hey man, he's back. I know. I'm so excited actually. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I mean <laughs> I saw him in Daniel House like arm around each other walking off the court after practice a little cute video the other day it was like oh greenhouse effect is back it's back they're here they're together again that that does bring up one more question for me about the rockets 
Dan Daniel House. Why is he being given the role that he has right now? I don't see how he factors into the long-term plans, and I don't really know what playing him right now is doing for you. Because he's not a bad player. It's just, you know... I think Daniel House... Okay, this is going to be a weird word to attach to Daniel House, but I'm talking post-bubble fiasco here. Professionalism that he's displayed. Um, throughout this whole thing, he's really embraced being, I'm the veteran on this team, I'm the longest tenured guy on this team, True. I want to lead for these these guys and work the hardest. And, and his ceiling is obviously where he is right now. His floor is obviously where he is right now. And he is who he is, and he's not really fitting in age-wise to the rebuild, but he loves Houston and the Rockets so much, and he's shown a real knack for organizing off-season get-togethers and sure. workouts and, and things like that. So I think he's kind of being rewarded unfairly on the court for his off-the-court right. impact. I don't know. That's my theory. Yeah. I don't know that. He could just be... A crazy asshole that's yelling at Jalen Green about he'll he's never giving up the number four after every practice and <laughs> spray painting his locker or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the vibe I get is that they respect Daniel House as like the veteran <laughs> leader, quote unquote, of this team. Yeah. Which bodes well, obviously, for the future when you have leadership like that. I'll always think of Daniel House as Trevor Ariza's replacement who never quite lived up to that position yeah by the time he was replacing trevor and ever since i still think he's a better player than trevor ariza but not peak trevor ariza yeah, yeah definitely not trevor ariza the the second leading three-point maker in rockets history i believe uh, maybe yeah. yeah i wouldn't be yeah no i think you're right yeah yeah i think you're right pretty insane eric gordon's probably number one by this point no harden harden's, harden's one ariza's one. two yeah i believe gordon is three and I'm not sure who's for. That's so funny. It's probably like Aaron Brooks or something stupid. It would be something awesome yeah. like that. Yep. Aaron Brooks. A.B. Shouts to A.B. Man, he was a fun player. It was yeah. fun while it lasted, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Brooks, not Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Aaron Gordon Brooks. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Shall we kick it on down? Go Rockets tonight against the Celtics. Fuck you, Celtics. You, yeah. ruined, you ruined my birth year. Absolutely. Fuck the Rockets. Boston in general. Yeah. You're and, uh, yeah, yeah. Suck, suck it, Celtics. <laughs> we got two words for you, brother. Um, shall we move on to the conundrum that is the Dallas Mavericks that I Oof. feel like we never have anything nice to say about, and that trend will probably continue now. And can please somebody get on our pod with us and talk about the Mavericks in like a positive light, so that we're not just assholes to the Mavs all the time. Maybe I don't know. Someone get on here and pile on with us, even. Like, let's, <laughs> let's just do it. Even that, I mean, game one for the Mavs, Porzingis was bad. And there was a lot of um, clamoring about Porzingis coming into camp and looking great in preseason. And it was bad game one. Game two, he was a little bit better. Yes. But, man, he is just a, a sinkhole of sadness for this, this Mavericks franchise right now based on Everything they gave up. I think I honestly think Kristaps Porzingis is to the Mavs as Omar Sheik was to the Pelicans. Huh. Or like he was that but like let's rush this rebuild because we have a generational superstar and then like 
bites you in the ass because he's not what you want him to be. <sighs> yeah, they gambled way harder on Porzingis than Ashik, but you're right in the sense of the, the biting you in the ass part of it. Yeah. And the level of overpay. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, bummer, Mavs fans. Porzingis so far doesn't look like Kid was the man to unlock it. No, I... It, I God, Kid. He hasn't gotten any better it's since true. he was in Milwaukee. It sure looks like the same old Jason Kid to me. It's still early, very small sample size, but... Why the fuck... Would anyone in their right mind in the year 2021 have Dorian Finney-Smith fucking trying to post up mismatches? I don't know. I don't man. think he's watched Dorian Finney-Smith play before. He's just looking at his size. Yes. It's insane, dude. Like, Chris Tapp's Porzingis is, is, should probably just be a spot-up shooter at this point. Yes. Nobody should be a post-up threat, really, except for, like, two or three guys in the entire fucking NBA at this point, statistically speaking. Yeah, it's like, like it's just it, low-efficiency offense now. Embiid, Jokic, LeBron, Kawhi. Yes. You know, outside of that, yeah. I don't know. Harden should, but he fucking doesn't because yeah. it's, it's hard, I guess. That's probably right. He, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not his kind of physicality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's into the kind of physicality that you get kicked out for touching back. <laughs> Sorry. God, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> But I I don't know what to make of the Mavs. I'm going to give them a few more games before I rush to any conclusions, but goddamn, it don't look purdy. You know, I was kind of optimistic about the direction of the Mavs when they finally, when Donnie Nelson left. I think Donnie Nelson had earned an entirely too much equity with Cuban based on, you know, the fact that he sided with the Mavs over his father when they had that fallout. Oh, yeah. And in reality, he'd kind of just run the Mavs into the ground over the last decade. So I do think the front office change was warranted. But man, right now they're just they're they're stuck. They're really stuck. And I I don't think Luca can take them much further than he's taken them. I think they just kind of have to hope for maybe like injury luck in the playoffs to get further. Maybe just not running into the Clippers again. But yeah. Matchups. They'll have to hope for the right matchups to get yeah. it, and then but eventually that always comes to a head at the Western Conference Finals or the Finals. Like, there's only so many times you can play the matchups because in the NBA in seven game series, the best team usually wins. I mean, look at this Mavs roster from top to bottom. If you take Luka Doncic off this team, what are they're like a ten win team? They're bad. Yeah, ten to twenty that I, range. I mean, and even like other heliocentric teams where they rely super heavily on their superstar. If you took the superstar off the team, they wouldn't be that bad. Yes. Like if you took, I don't know, who's what's another one? Like if you took, man, I can't think of another team that's. Said, a, I almost said Lillard, but then you have CJ. He could yeah. pick up the slack if Lillard's gone for sure. Maybe like Steph Curry, score. but even then, the yeah. Warriors wouldn't be as bad as the Mavs. No, I don't yeah. think so. Close. Yeah. Close without Steph, probably. Perhaps. Depends on Clay's health. Yeah. Clay, Mr. 70. He should change his number to 76 just to troll that whole NBA top 75 thing. That would Fuck. be really funny. That was kind of an atrocity, man. I <laughs> Clay Thompson might be like the third best shooter of all time. Yes. And, and he's a plus defender. So that's hard to argue with his acumen. Yeah. I don't know, like, what what does being the second best player on a fucking 73-win team yep. mean to you? I I don't know. I think Klay Thompson is so underrated, 
even given all the fucking hype that the Warriors got over the years, I think Clay Thompson is still a little underappreciated. I think Pete Clay Thompson from back then was underappreciated, underrated. I'm still the jury's still out as to what he's going to be now. But yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. Which is funny because at first I remember him being very overrated. Yeah. And then the scales really tipped and he kind of disappeared and everybody just was like, oh, yeah, he's this guy who's open when Steph's not. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's not quite that simple. Like, no. Steph, yeah, he's, he's a ph- phenomenally good basketball player and defender. He, and he wasn't just a plus defender. He was elite. elite. Yeah. So anyways. All elite. <laughs> on TNT. Clay Thompson is all elite. Clay Thompson is all elite. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jim Ross. That's Clay Thompson's music. Yeah. <laughs> The Clay Thompson oh Orange God, <laughs> Tony Schiavone. The Clay Thompson Orange Cassidy feud, where they have to have a fucking match on Clay Thompson's fishing boat. God, that would be sick. <laughs> the bulldog is his bulldog's a special guest referee. <laughs> Man, all right, AEW, make it happen. You know yep. you've got Turner behind you. You got the TNT relationship already yep. built. You get Clay Thompson. I mean, Tony Khan is fucking shameless. And yes. So I mean, why not? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that Bischoff gene for sure. Oh, they're a celebrity. They want to come on. Yeah, dude, bring them on. Let's do. It. We'll figure it out. Yeah, dude, we'll get them in the ring. It'll be fun. God, Tom Malone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jay Leno. Fuck yeah. I do kind of like Tony Khan. He seems like a nice dude for the wrestling industry, at least. But yep. fuck, man, that clip of Mike Tyson falling asleep on TV will forever be ingrained into my brain. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. That was a pretty good clip. All-timer. But, yeah, back to the Mavs. One plus I want to take away. I don't want to be all negative. Mm-hmm. Ex-Houston Rockets legend Sterling Brown looks <laughs> to be a very good fit there. I think his minutes have been a plus for the team overall, and I think he's going to be a nice little yeah. uh, compliment to Luka Doncic. And I think that more of him is the type of player you need to hunt to surround Luka with. Yeah. I do think they did make some – auxiliary upgrades mm-hmm. you know but ultimately i mean th- those sorts of moves aren't going to be the things that push them over the edge the way they need it's like we yeah. already know what they need yeah the mavs know what they need this discussion's been had over and over name your favorite analyst they've had this discussion about the maps yes it's too lucas centric and you know Jason Kidd talked about making the the offense a little less Lucas centric, and I think that's you know the right theory, mm. situationally speaking. But I mean, when you don't have another option, <laughs> what the fuck are you supposed to do other than just yeah. ride ride Luca into the ground? Yeah, I was just gonna say when you when in theory that's great, but when you don't have the talent to make it work, yeah, yeah. then Luca's all you have. Like the statistically speaking is what you should fucking do every play. And uh that's when it gets that's when it gets really tough as far as re- making a competent NBA playoff push. Uh because everybody can game plan for one guy. You can only have yeah. so many moves in your bag. All I'm saying is Mavs fans should probably mentally prepare for Chris Stepps Porzingis throwing the ball into the fifth row in an elimination game on a post up. <laughs> yes um again i'm getting big end of the era with dwight howard vibes in houston yeah for sure it definitely feels like it's not a, a sustainable relationship between him and luca and it doesn't feel like he's helping the team 
But at least Dwight Howard still had value at the end of the era in Houston. True. Um, believe, yeah, believe it or not, that last season, he tried harder than James Harden. Yep. Like, it was funny. Harden quit harder than Dwight did. Even though they both were done with the whole thing, Dwight would still, like, we'd be down 40 points to the Spurs. I think we went to a game. One, no, I, I feel like it was... I know I went to a game at AT&T Center. I don't know if you were my, my company or not that night, but... It was like a clear the benches in the fourth quarter moment, and Dwight mm-hmm. was told JB he wanted to stay in. Yeah. I mean, he, he would keep playing at least. And I don't know. I, I just get some some bad vibes from the team construction in Dallas right now, but I don't think it's as urgent as we did when we started this pod uh, regarding Luca's future and timeline and the whole trade request stuff. I feel like Luca signed that extension yeah. pretty much in, in earnest and, and is going to ride it out. Well, ultimately, I just don't think anything's really changed. Yes. And I think a lot of our takes have pretty much held firm on the Mavs. Pretty true. I'm I'm backing off on the watch out and enjoy Luca while you have him uh, doom and gloom warnings. Uh, I don't know. He's given me vibes more so of a guy who's who's there. For nah, the man, long I, I still I think know. he's gone. You do? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think he, if so, I think it'll be after this extension. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's not going to like pull a Ben Simmons or anything, but no. man. I just I think the Mavs are kind of fucking cursed. I I think the universe is going to punish Mark Cuban until he dies for not defending that 2011 championship. The way they dismantled that team was really disrespectful, I thought. Yeah. That was rough. But Darren Williams, dude. I mean, what are we going to do? Not chase Darren Williams? Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, we're going to take a break and have a word from our sponsors. We'll be back shortly. Yes. Anyways, this so, podcast is brought to you by Jack in the Box. There's <laughs> nothing else open. Yes. Go to Jack in the Box. Legalize it. <laughs> Legalize it. Jack in the Box. Nice. There you go, Jack in the Box. The munchy meal. Legalize it. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. So I guess we should probably um, pick up with the rest of the league before we get out of here. Yeah. Good idea. There's been some fun early season developments. Yeah. So uh, where do you want to go? I'll let you. I'll let you guide the ship. Um, I don't. Let's start off with the obvious one. It's our middle bullet point, but we should assign our new nickname of uh, the Shit Showtime Lakers. <laughs> uh, it's been fun to see them just dismantle themselves two se- two games into the season. Yeah, man, I love it. You know, the Lakers—they're playing the Spurs on Tuesday, and I feel like the Spurs have a pretty good chance of picking up that win. And then the That's next game, game. Yes. the next game, they're playing the Mavs, and I feel like they're going to win that one too. Wow. Gauntlets laid, Mavs fans. Who yeah. wants to come on the pod and defend themselves against that take? So no, they're there. too afraid. They're too afraid, exactly. Mavs fans are too afraid to defend their team. Yeah, our raw power yeah. intimidates them. I understand. They're stuck in traffic on the George W. Bush freeway or whatever the fuck. <laughs> hey, it's Dirk Nowitzki Avenue now. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, man, but the Lakers... It's working out exactly as we thought it would. It really is. It's so fun. It's been funny. I just, man, we were texting about this. I I really just wish LeBron would have gone somewhere else to finish his career. Me too. I know it was, I know the decision was about more than basketball and he was going to make Space Jam and his family wanted to be there. But yeah, if he had just gone like to New York or back to Miami, I think his legacy Miami would have been sick, right? Yeah, his his legacy would look totally different. And I think this Lakers stint is going to sour the way we look back at him historically. As great as he is, you know, before he signed with the Lakers, I I was all aboard LeBron as the 
greatest of all time train. Me too. And this has just totally spoiled that for me, and I can't get, I can't endorse this guy anymore. Yeah. I can't. It's become too hard to apologize for. It's such a fucking bummer, too, man, because he really, really was the consummate guy before this. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I, I was always the one with the, the pitchfork screaming at people when they tried to shit on the decision uh, going to Miami. And, and like, I was like, yeah, you should Google how much LeBron insisted that they donate to the Boys and Girls Club when they air that special. Like, mm-hmm. you should uh, you should Google how much fucking Ari Gold from the Entourage really masterminded that whole thing and made it happen with ESPN. It's not LeBron's idea to televise his free agent plans. But if he can make a few million for charity by doing it, he's probably going to, you know. Um, so I I agree though like laker lebron is just tough la braun is is hard it's not fun to endorse or watch or his effort levels depressing and which has never been the case with lebron and i don't know i hate it just lebron and ad i don't think they're enough yeah i don't think they're enough i don't think they're the right two either i don't think the fit is necessarily as good as it should be between two two guys like that yeah, I, I mean, I just I don't really know how the Lakers remedy this. I think they're just gonna have to sleep in this bed, you know, because they're. They, I mean, they they really don't have any flexibility. They they pretty much sold their entire war chest to get AD, and I don't know. I just I don't know how it's gonna get better. I don't know how it's gonna get better, man. I don't either. I really don't. I see no path forward other than trading off of a hugely valuable asset like AD or LeBron, which would totally derail the plans anyways. They're fucked. The way this roster is constructed is nuts. Nobody's getting along. I saw that whole AD Dwight's like spat on the sideline the other night. And the funniest part of it to me, the whole thing, Rondo grabbed AD and was like, come over here with us. And it was like Rondo, AD, and LeBron was like the real players meeting huddle. You know, like they like cast Dwight. They were like, yeah, no, you come over here with us. Don't worry. Like, let Dwight go over there. And it was just like Rondo is leading your like alpha veteran huddle. Like that just is enough for me to see to let you know this team is is not going to be that good. And I don't think they have it in them to turn it around. It could be a freezing cold take. But. I don't, no, I think you're right. And, I mean, they just have such a cast of problematic figures. Yes. Rondo, Dwight Howard. I mean, I think Carmelo's kind of fixed his image in the last couple of years. Big but time. There for a long time. I didn't know any Carmelo Anthony fans. Mm-mm. Even in New York. No. Yeah, so it's just, man, it's ugly. It is. And Westbrook doesn't look good. He no. And I don't think it's going to be another one of those years where he's just shit for two months and then he's the best player you've ever seen, like he, like with the Rockets. Mm-mm. Man, it's just, it's rough. It's this rough. This is going to be ugly, guys. Uh, strap in, Laker fans. Strap on, Lakers strap fans. Strap on, Laker fans. Or get ready to get strapped on Laker fans, whichever is less desirable to you. Yeah. If you like that, though, I mean... You know, have fun. Have fun, dude. No, we're not. We're, the Texas Triangle does not kink shame. No, of course not. We yeah. wouldn't dream of it. No. <laughs> um, speaking of kinky, <laughs> I don't know. It's not kinky at all, but uh, what, are we, what, are we th- what are we thinky of the, uh, the Bulls starting 3-0? Is, it, is your prediction wrong, John? Are you wrong about the Bulls? They're 3-0. They're an offensive juggernaut, clearly. 90 points a game. <laughs> They're 3-0 against 
the Pistons twice and the Pelicans once. Both teams, terrible teams without their best player. Yes. No, I'm not wrong about the Bulls. No, I don't think you are either. Uh, I, I think they have been graced with an easy start. Much, much different than what the Spurs have gotten and will be getting. Yep. And man, I don't even I don't get the appeal of the Bulls. They're getting they get so much airtime. They're getting a ton of nationally te- televised games. What what's the appeal of them? What's the appeal of this team? Why would anyone want to watch this team? I think the appeal is that they are the Bulls. And this is the first time that there's been a collection of quote unquote relevant talent on the Bulls. And so it's a let's sell, sell, sell. We can finally sell the Bulls for the first time since D-Rose, whatever. This is kind of like that season where they threw together like Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. Yes. But it's worse than that. Yeah. Oh, much. They don't have Jimmy Butler. That's for sure. So, no, I don't think I was wrong about the Bulls. I'm not going to apologize for that take. No, no, I don't think you are either. I was just busting your balls. I'm going to die on that hill. Even if they're good, I'm going to die on that hill. (laughs) The Bulls are the two seed coming into the playoffs. Like, nope, they fucking suck. They're losing the playoffs. Told you so. Told you. They will get totally exposed in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I don't care if they're the one seed. They are going to get exposed. Yep. Well, they might make the playoffs. They'll probably make the playoffs, but I do think they'll totally get exposed too. Yeah. There's no way that offense is sustainable. Um, Zach Levine for the positive column looks phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, looks like he's continuing his insane trajectory towards being one of the fucking elite guards in the whole league. Yeah. Which is fun. I, I love the, I wish he'd get out of Chicago. <laughs> I love the version of the Texas Triangle where we just shit on everyone except for the Spurs and the Rockets. Yes, me too. <laughs> this is one of them, for sure. Well, no, we're about to go pretty positive on a couple teams, I would say. Yeah, we are. You know. These teams have integrity, though. Yeah, te- these teams have integrity. They're built, not bought. Amen to that, brother. Well, I guess the Bucks are kind of bought. Yeah. The Hawks really. have a couple free agents, too. Yeah. Bogdanovich and Capella are pretty important guys. Their main guys are like homegrown though. You're right. You're right. So yeah, I guess I guess we can we can wrap up on those two things. I think the Bucks are gonna repeat. You know, all offseason, we were banging the Nets drum. Yep. And I'm I'm ready to retreat already. They look weird, right? They don't look like Kyrie's not distracting them. That's for sure. They look a little distracted. I think Harden's Probably gonna have to play himself into shape. Yeah, it looks like the chemistry is a little off. Like Patty right? Mills, Patty Mills is awesome, but it just something's not gelling. Yes, I feel like it's a Blake centric thing this season. Like Blake hmm. doesn't seem like he's ever fitting to me out there. I also I feel like Harden is trying to force the chemistry. Like I remember in that first game, he just kept going to the lob. Yeah, just over and over again, and it just wasn't quite working. Yep. They had it scattered out for sure. Yeah, so I think it's going to work out in time. And even if they it doesn't quite work out, I think just Katie and Harden ice taking turns ISOing is good enough to get them through three rounds. Oh yeah. So, but I, I still think just the Bucks are a little better because we were talking about the Bucks. Giannis has somehow gone up another level. He looks so confident. It's absurd, man. The championship just made him, yeah, it it sealed his confidence. His jumper looks good. For the the first time in his career, it looks like it's an actual threat. Yes. It, I mean, his post-game, pull-up mid-rangers, the few threes he takes, it's all dangerous now. I think he's legitimately the best player in the NBA. 
I would not disagree with that as much as it pains me to say. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't pain me anymore. You know, I've become a Giannis fan over yeah. the last year or so. Some Rockets fans still haven't fallen off of that yet. It's weird. Yeah. There's yeah. no rivalry anymore. Even Harden and Giannis have fallen off of that shit. Like, it doesn't yeah. fucking, it's not a thing anymore, guys. But also, yeah, yeah that's wild. He looks fucking incredible. Giannis looks incredible. I think Chris Middleton is still shaking off a little of the, um, I don't know what you call it, but just like the hangover from the Olympics. He's not quite Chris Middleton, but he's still yeah. really good. And once he, you know, gets back into the flow of the regular season, I think, you know, <clears throat> this team is just amazing. They really are. Drew Holiday is like the perfect third guy for them. Yep. Everything fits. Coach Bud. Um, it's funny because last season, the the minute they were eliminated, if they were going to be eliminated, he was fired. Yeah. And, and he said, fuck you. <laughs> okay, well, I just won't get eliminated then. What do you guys want to do then? Yeah. And, and now, now they're talking extensions, yeah. Now he's got job security for the next decade. Exactly. So. And he should because he did a phenomenal job. His adjustments were slow in the playoffs, mm -hmm. yes. But this year, they came. Like, he learned. And yeah. he, he got a lot better. And uh, I don't dislike the take of the Bucks repeating. I still can't bet yeah. against the Nets. Um, but it's just because I have, you know, a really unhealthy uh, ho-pimp relationship with James Harden. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't quit him. And so uh, the Bucks, I think, are going to be really awesome and I think could win the title for sure. Yeah. But I think it'll still be the Nets. And I love that Budenholzer job security because now he can just get as many DUIs as he wants. Hell yeah, bud. Drink up, brother. <laughs> get yourself a bud. Get yourself a bud. This bud's for you, Milwaukee. <laughs> All right, so one last team, Atlanta. They look legit, dude. They're for real. It's not a fluke. That makes yeah. me so happy because the Suns, I think Robert Sarver and uh, DeAndre Ayton's whole little ordeal is going to derail their whole chances for returning to the finals. The Suns look a little off. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta, though, man, I think, I think, I think that was real. Yeah. And I, I think they could be like a top three seed at least. It makes me really happy. Yeah, man. So, Especially for Capella, man. That's my dude. Yeah, that team is fun. The Bucks are fun. The East... For the first time in my lifetime is the superior conference top to bottom, I think. And the more fun one. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I, seriously, it's, it might be the first time in my lifetime, too. And I got a fucking solid decade on you. So, yeah, yeah that's ah, that's wild. And this might be the first time in both of our lifetimes that all three Texas teams might be bad. Oh, God. Sorry, Mavs fans, but he's right. I know it's a hot take right now. Yes. Let's revisit it at All-Star break. Good call. Yeah. yeah. And bad for the, the three teams is, is a varying degree. Like, the Mavs getting a seven seed is, I think, a bad yeah. season for them. Dude, for the Spurs, for the longest time, the standard was winning 50 games. And now that we're at the bottom looking up, I didn't realize what a huge achievement just winning 50 games is. Winning 50 games is fucking tough. It's a big deal, dude. Anyways, yeah, Duncan's amazing. But yeah, yeah, Timmy D, man. Holy Any shit. Anything else? Man, um, I think I'm good, man. I'm uh, My arms are getting tired holding up this shitty mic stand <laughs> that needs to drill into the table somehow still. Yeah. Uh, no, let's do it. All right. Let's wrap it up. We yeah. love you guys. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe. Uh, we may be popping up as guests on some kind of YouTube show before too much longer. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll start building that presence a little more. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know what we can do better or worse or... Uh, 
fight me now. Yeah, and we're gonna drill this mic stand, and then we're gonna drill each other, and then maybe Amen you guys that, can come brother. drill us too. Well, let's all just drill. Yeah, we're getting a giant pile. Get Keep the, the goobacks from invading. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all over here, guys. Thank you so much. Back in the pile.